Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, July 24th, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in Chapter 4, entitled We Agnostics, on page 50, the second paragraph, beginning with In Our Personal Stories. And the the readers for today are Sally, Michelle, Sharon, and Fran. The share ID for yesterday's meeting, Tuesday, July 23rd, is 4833. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Katie F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted God to God, to ourselves, and to another being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret, recovered here in South Jersey. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 
five. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name or any related facility to outside enter- or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, NIPS. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. You're going to find us in Chapter 4, entitled, We Agnostics. We're on page 50. The second paragraph, beginning with In Our Personal Stories, and I will ask Sally to begin reading, please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, edition for you. This is Sally in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. In our personal stories, you will find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purpose, we need not be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle for himself. Well, to begin with, in our personal stories, you will find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. And our personal stories remind me of on page 29 where it again talks about our personal stories. Each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. And this, in the end, turns out to be the only part of our story that's the most important since it is the solution When I look at this in our personal stories, I'm back to page 50, in our personal stories, we will find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. 
I I have to say that um, when I look at this sentence, I'm reminded that of a conversation I had with someone a few days ago who who reminded me that only Sally can tell Sally's story. As much as I would love my story to look a little different and be more powerful or or to uh, say something really important for someone to hear, my story is my story, and it's the only story that I can share. And there's probably someone out there who needs to hear my story, and that's what we're we're called here to tell, to tell our approach, to to tell about how it says here, each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. My approach and my conception was very, very faulty for a long time. I had huge trust issues. I had big surrender issues. In fact, when I was working the steps, when I was going through steps one through nine especially, and, and it still continues today in 10, 11, and 12, I had to learn how to surrender the outcome. I remember pressuring my sponsor that I've got to get finished with the steps, never realizing that my dependence, as page 98 tells us, is, you know, job at job, job or no job, wife or no wife, sponsor or no sponsor. And I say that because my sponsor did a lot of traveling for her job, and when we first got started, she was off to Russia for two weeks, and I was left with with the feeling of, oh, my gosh, how am I going to stay abstinent? How am I going to do this? My sponsor is going to be out of town for two weeks. Because clearly my dependence was on my sponsor. And my dependence has been on everyone but my higher power for a very long time. Mostly my dependence was on me. Page 68 talks about self-reliance versus God-reliance. And that, that was my approach for everything in life, that my reliance was on me. And so it goes on to say whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purpose, we need not be worried. My experience has been in this last year that I need more power than I myself have or ever will have. And that's what we're talking about here, the fact that we have a deficit Empower. I just want to end with the beginning of this chapter, which really says it so beautifully. The second, the very first paragraph at the top of 45, the first complete paragraph. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. That was my experience. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. And would anyone else like to... Can I share? Pamela? Nancy Nancy and then Pamela, please. Go ahead. On what was read. Thank you. Yes. Good morning. Thank you, Leah. Um, Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Nancy, a compulsive reader in Lewiston, Idaho. And um, I like that paragraph. And um, the things that Sally was just sharing reminded me of my own experience and I didn't realize for a long time into the working of the steps that that's what that's what I was doing especially um, around my higher power and coming to um, understand a relationship with a higher power but also with um, the working of all the steps I mean I I did not have my own experience 
I literally took find somebody who has what you want, want and asked how they were doing it. Well, I found somebody that had what I wanted, and I tried to copy what they did. And that was not allowing me to have my own personal experience. First, when it came to a relationship with God, I was trying to use the conception of God that I grew up with. Well, it hadn't worked for me for many years, so the fact that I thought it would work for me um, with my recovery from food addiction was another form of insanity, another example of the insanity that I lived with. But I tried it forever because my conception of a God from childhood was that it would be, quote, unquote, if, forgive the term, if it offends you, but sinful if I came up with my own conception of God. And I've shared that before, that I finally got the gift of desperation I was willing to try. So that opened up my um, understanding that I could come up with my own conception. And what happened is I found out, you know, that God really was everything that I needed him to be, um, but I needed to let him, and I needed to take some action. Well, that's when I was also still trying to copy other people's experience. Well, they did this, so I'm going to do this. Well, they did this. What I, I missed the whole ball altogether. The directions are clear-cut instructions in this book of how to recover. I needed to be getting into the book and following the instructions to a T, and I had never done that. That is why I had never had my own experience, because I hadn't done the work that it suggests in the book. That's how we get our own experiences, by working the steps according to the big book. And it wasn't until I started coming to this meeting where the big book really came alive to me and I realized what a valuable asset I had and how it was going to transform my life. And so um, now I, I come almost every day. I re- if I miss one for some reason, I listen to the recording I, because it's important to me. It is teaching me how to have my own experience. I've got a relationship with God today, but I need to develop that relationship. I need to improve and grow that consciousness that is coming alive in me. I also belong to a really in-depth step study right now um, because I know that that's where I'm going to get my own experience. I love that each person's individual. Look at all the stories in the book and they each tell, like was just said, of their own method in which they came to believe in a power greater than themselves. Not, and it's, they're not all the same. They're all different. And so I'm grateful that um, I get to have my experience now, um, which will teach me how to develop, um, improve, and maintain this conscious contact with God, which is what I've been missing because I've been trying to copy somebody else's or more than one, not just one person's. And I've done it in just so many areas. Prayer and meditation is another. Oh, this is what they do, so I try to do that rather than come up with my own idea of what prayer and meditation can be for me. You know, and I, I, it, it's just, I hope I'm not rambling, but it's just, it's an amazing aha thing to me that didn't come until much later in my recovery. And so I'm open today and I'm willing, I'm not closed. And I ask God each and every day to help me to set aside everything I thought I knew for a new set of ideas and, and conceptions about who he is and what he can do for me if I just let him. And um, some people describe the process as I'm now transferring the information from my head to my heart because I've had it all, I've heard it all before, it's in my head, but I've never transferred it from my head to my heart, so I didn't have an experience. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for all being here for me. Thank you. And Pamela, go ahead. Good morning. I'm Pamela in California. Thank you for your service. I'm a compulsive eater. Um, these are questions, no, they are questions for each individual to settle for himself. This gets my attention this morning because this says, you know, I'm I'm supposed to settle these questions. 
settle these questions. <laughs> and um, I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily argue about um, uh, I I have problems just agreeing with my own conception of a higher power. Um, I've noticed in my program how I'm kind of a spiritual chameleon where whoever I'm talking to, I will often align my language of a higher power according to what I think they will find acceptable. And um, there's a particular character defect name for that. And um, I noticed it because I make many, many outreach calls, and I can go uh, in one conversation from, okay, who am I talking to now? Let me use this language. And it's so like a... um, um, what's that, like a chameleon, like where's mine? I need to settle my own individual uh, question here. And, and I, I have had in program where wonderful sort of spiritual experiences that I have been unable to effectively assimilate. Um, I was unable to help them sort of translate from a cosmic level to this plane and um, I used to wonder, wow, wow, that man saw the hands of God open up in Montana in a field, and and how come he picked up again, you know? And um, and now I understand what that is. And um, so this this sentence says that I need to get busy with uh, settling, you know, these things for myself. It it isn't. I would love to one day to be able to talk from my own conception uh, without shame. Um, without trying to um, translate the words so that I think other people will find them agreeable, um, um, have kind of a spiritual integrity, and not be so secretive about my beliefs, um, and 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 you know how do I settle these questions? Um, well, I continue to work. I know that much, and. And um, and and the more that I hear uh, each individual's conception of a higher power, there's a chance that I will also have the same kind of integrity to my own belief of a higher power. Um, I'm too afraid of people's judgments, and I'm too afraid of um, uh, uh, getting a lecture, or I'm too afraid of just uh, being honest about what I believe. And uh, but I will get there with the help of this work. Thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Barbara. Uh, thank I you, Pamela. This is Bella. Can I share? One moment, please. We're on page fifty, the second paragraph. I heard someone come in. Uh, Bella, hold on. Who came in before Bella, please? Barbara. Barbara, Barbara, and then Bella. Go ahead. Thank you. This is Barbara. I'm a compulsive eater. And as I look at and think about and hear the words of this paragraph this morning, what I'm seeing is the fact that it's a call for me not to feel that I need to persuade anyone. I used to feel in early recovery that I wanted everybody to get on the bandwagon, that, um, you know, I've found the way and I'm going to engineer another's recovery, which the books say not to do. So it's a great reminder that, as it says, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. So the journey to God, to one's higher power, and thank God for the wisdom 
you know, of the founders to see that how could this be so worldwide if it were limited to American particular kind of religion, spirituality, even the movement from religion to spirituality was just so much broader. So I love the fact that experience, strength, and hope is shared, and I can relate to it, and I can say I want that, and I can say I don't want that, but I don't want to try to persuade or dissuade anyone in their journey. Their journey may be very different from mine. We'll get to God. We'll get to a higher power with these 12 steps and with the with the path of recovery. But it doesn't have to all be down the same road. How crowded that road would be if everyone were on the same road. And I and I love that reminder that each individual has his or her own journey to God. Thank you. Thank you. And Bella, please. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella, and I am a compulsive overeater. Thank you very much for this meeting, and it's so wonderful to be there. Uh, wow, I am so so happy to and so empowered by this paragraph. It says in our personal stories, and the beauty of the program and the beauty of life is that we don't use the word I and me. It's all about we. And it's so interesting. And here we say personal stories. And this is what makes the solution. Yes, we have the same solution. And we, we, we have the main, uh, the same uh, goal to be connected to the higher power, to be, to know that we don't have control and uh, the higher power and God has the whole control. But to come to this solution and to achieve this goal, it's, each of us is different and all we, the journal is different. Uh, we don't go the same way because we don't have the same experience. But still, don't be isolated. We need the we, the together, because we learn from each experience. I don't have to have the same experience than you have. I can have my own stories. And because I have my own stories, I can give and get. I can hear other ideas, and I can share my own ideas because we want to achieve the same thing, to be connected to our, our higher power. And it's like a puzzle. We all need, we need all the pieces to see the whole puzzle, to see the whole picture. And this is we. We need our own particular stories to build the solution, to, to achieve the solution. And this is the beauty. It's not, it's not a competition. It's nothing to do with competition. Oh, how much did you, did you lose? For how long did you lose it? It's nothing. It's not this. This is a, not a diet program. It's not a losing weight club. It's the way of living. It's nothing to be, to be like somebody else. But still we need the power of we. We all together in the same in the same boat. We are giving and getting on the same time. Thank you for letting me share and by this I pass. 
Thank you. Anyone else like to comment? Penny C. Penny C, go ahead. Okay, thank you, Leah. Good morning, everybody. Penny C, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts, and so happy to be here. Looking at that, just at the the phrase, the way each teller approaches and conceives the power which is greater than himself. The way that my conception of a higher power that I have today, which is which is way so different than the conception I had in my growing up years and even even until I got to to these twelve step programs that I so gratefully enjoy um, living today is um, one very important way was uh, early sponsor who said to me, you know, I would like you to write your ideal of a higher power or maybe even a job description. And so I did that. I wrote a job description, you know, uh, wanted a higher power and these are the qualifications. And then she said, now that's who your higher power can be. Your, your higher power can be any, any idea, any design you may want to have as long as that higher power is not you and so my higher power was benevolent and and um you know caring and really the kind of qualifications i i would have for the best best parent in the whole world and um and i started building on that and as i've gone along i every time i've worked with anybody else on the steps, when we get to step three, I suggest that that's what they do. And I've read some beautiful, beautiful descriptions and of what they would want their higher power to be and then what that higher power can be and is. And uh, that's added to my own, my own conception, just shows that working with others can really improve my own program and so now, day by day, as I, as I live with that conception, it gets, it gets bigger and better. You know, one of the ones was somebody I could trust, somebody I could trust with anything at all. Tell, tell that higher power all the secrets of my heart and that I never have to be concerned that he or she or whatever whatever I wanted my higher power to be would use that information against me. And it's so true. I have never, never in my long life felt so trusting, so able to put everything in the hands of, of God. And, you know, I'm not perfect. We are not saints. We're only, we're only striving for progress. And that's happening. I, I almost 100% am able to trust that, you know, my, my God, my higher power wants the very best for me. And I, I, can, I can, without any, any reservation, put everything, my life, my will, my children, my grandchildren who are the dearest things in the world to me, in God's hands and trust that all will be according to his plan. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. This is Leigh. I, too, wanted to jump in here. Hi, this is Evelyn. 
one moment. I'll just make a comment, and then I'll hand it over to you. Uh, my name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Just wanted to comment on a couple statements here. It says, in our personal stories, you will find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. So first, first of all, who who is telling these stories? Uh, well, it's very specific. These are recovered alcoholics who um, have been restored to sanity. They now have soundness of mind. They've been relieved of the obsession to use. They, um, you know, have uh, have have now been able to cl- declare that they are ex-problem drinkers, and they come together. And these are people of many different backgrounds, walks of life, uh, different ages, different genders, and they're all saying a wide vi- variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. It's like a big show and tell operation. You know, this is not about personal success. This is about a multitude of people coming forward and saying, this is what happens through our human failure when we cooperate, when we submit ourselves to the grace of a power that's greater than ourselves, because that grace can now come in and make something of that human failure (laughs) and transform us. This is not about, you know, personal success whatsoever. This is about a power greater than ourselves doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And it goes on to say whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Um, you know, the hoop here is broad. There is a spirit of accommodation here uh, that began with Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, threads through every 12-step group. I mean, the secret to these 12-step rooms, the secret to AA is that it's a spirituality where God essentially remains anonymous without any specific or required uh, name attached. The big book's perspective, they make it very, very clear, is that the realm of the spirit is broad, it's roomy, it's all-inclusive, it's never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek so everybody is included. And, of course, you'll notice that the next statement uh, says experience has taught us. What is experience? Experience is something you've gone through and you know the conclusion. These people who are now ex-problem drinkers have gone through the process. They know the conclusion. They have uh, implemented these same steps that we study every morning. They have had a spiritual awakening, a personality change, and they do not live in the uh, restlessness and irritability and discontentment that they used to live. They have had that personal experience, and they are now guiding others to have their own individual spiritual experience. So this message comes with depth and weight. This message is delivered with depth and weight. And whether you call your higher power creator, whether you call your higher power friend or father of light or creative intelligence, great reality, realm of the spirit, presence of infinite power and love, uh, is no matter. These are all terms that the big book uses in order to allow each and every one of us to, to, to be touched and to have our own personal spiritual experience all through these same 
very action steps that we study every morning. And with that, I pass. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Star one to unmute. Hi, this is Emily Ruth. May I comment? Go ahead, please. Thank you. Um, I <clears throat> I really am enjoying the conversation this morning, particularly around this topic. Um, the concept of a higher power or God, as I understand, um, was one that I felt comfortable with growing up. I felt like I was always a, a fairly spiritual person, and then um, fairly recently, somewhere along the line, I felt like people around me were telling me that I had to think of God in one specific way, and if I didn't, it was wrong. And that um, that began to make me feel irked and disconnected, um, and I just didn't, I, I couldn't appreciate that, and it was hindering my relationship with my higher power. And then when I began to realize that you know, in that situation, I wasn't, I wasn't seeking out my higher power. I was trying to please the people around me, and I was trying to conform to a group because that's what I thought I had to do. Um, but, you know, in reality, once I began to accept myself and accept my concept of, of, of God or higher power, then that is when I began to feel connected again. So... Um, I just really, I, I'm appreciating this idea that, that you know, one size doesn't fit all. And I loved what somebody said. I actually wrote it down, the idea that we don't have to all take the same road to God because how crowded would that road be? I mean, I thought that was such a wonderful idea. And, that you know, I, I've, I've always been a firm believer that, you know, there there isn't just one way to God. You know, we are this world of unique individuals with different interests and ideas and concepts and personalities. And so why would God be one size fits all? I mean, God is big enough for, for all of us to appreciate, but that doesn't mean that it needs to look the same to everybody. Um, so thank you. That will pass. Thank you. Let's move on to the next paragraph with Michelle, please. Good morning, Leah. This is Michelle H. in Missouri, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, God. On one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believe in a power greater than himself. This power has in each case accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. As a celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, 
They show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Um, Okay, well, these two paragraphs, I I certainly have a lot of things underlined. And the first thing that came, um, that struck me was um, one proposition, on one proposition. So what does proposition mean? I looked it up um, in the Big Book Dictionary, and it says, an idea put forth as being factual and true. So one idea uh, that that was found to be a truth or, or a fact for these recovered people was that um, that they all all agreed on um, was everyone had each gained access to and belief in a power greater than himself, and that this power accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. And so they're saying, okay, well, let's look at the record here. There's thousands, thousands of men and women um, living in the world, uh, the same problem situations, living in the world as I am. And they're saying that since they came to believe, um, you know, step two, came to believe in a power greater than themselves, and then take a certain attitude towards that power that, you know, there is a God and it's not me, and then do certain simple things, um, the simple things that are asked of me in these steps, then there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking so this is this is very miraculous for me. Um, a revolutionary change also means something radical, you know, very radical, drastic, different than what I was. And I didn't produce that. I wasn't able to not um, not on the human plane. Not as not none of my human resources were able to produce that radical change, that change in my living and my thinking. You know, the, the top of the paragraph. I you know I was looking at human defects of other people and um, use their shortcomings as, as a way to condemn them. And, um, and instead now, you know, I'm, I'm coming to believe in a power. I'm gaining access to a power that's, that, that can change me, and that's what everyone's agreed upon. Um, that's an important fact. Um, that's something I need to know that's happened. And, and then, importantly, on the next page, it says, leaving aside the drink question, you know what? I, you know I, I was focused on on the eating question, the compulsive overeating question, and and indeed I found it quite miraculous that you know that I could put down the food because I had gained access to a power. It wasn't anything I was able to do on my own ability, and and that was such a miracle. But leaving aside that, um, these you know thousands of men and women are are telling um, you know why life was unsatisfactory. You know I was selfish. I was self-centered. And then the change that came over them, the change that's coming over, that's come over me, and each recovered person um, who's followed these simple, these simple steps or done these simple things, these certain simple things, taking that attitude that there is a God and it's not me, and then you know, as has already been said, establish this relationship um, with a higher power, um, whatever that concept may be. And you know, there's a, a favorite line of mine in the Big Book that's in the family. Afterwards, it says, you know, um, we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. And, you know, that's that gaining access to that power. You know, I'm recovered, and now I've been given this power um, to help others, to carry the message. 
and um, and that is miraculous indeed. When you know, I keep close to a, a power greater than myself that I start thinking of other people and how I can help others, where before my thinking all revolved around me. And I'm so grateful today that that radical change has happened because um, you know, all, all recovered people um, who've shared with me have shown me that I need access, access, and it starts with a belief. It starts in just believing, and, and then the rest follows through these steps. Uh, thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. This Kaya? Yes. Go ahead on what was read. SD and then Kaya, please. Good morning, everyone. This is Esty. Very grateful for this meeting. And um, whatever was read this morning really struck home with me, um, especially the part of everyone having their own experiences. And, um, you know, people share that in the past they've compared their um, spiritual experiences or their high power with what other people call their high power. And... Uh, I probably should admit that um, I can't say it in the past tense. I'm probably still there. Um, but, you know, my higher power, my spiritual experiences being what I think other people perceive as spiritual and what other people think God would have them do. And um, hopefully with, you know, doing the steps and being in recovery and one day at a time I'll get closer and closer and more confident in my authentic self and in in, in my own spiritual experiences. Um, I also wanted to share um, um, what was mentioned before about um, having to, like, what would I want my higher power to be like? And that was, that was a huge revelation for me because one of the main things that I need people for is as a filler to make me feel safe, pure, good enough, um, to fill me, and um, most of my problems that I have and most of my resentments are about being angry at people for not being there for me, for not filling me, for not being what I had expected of them, and, you know, I hope that with this thought, it shouldn't just be a thought in my brain, it should also be in my heart and in my being of not expecting other people to do for me what really God has to do for me, and then... And then I won't be so angry when they don't do that, when they're not there to save me, to rescue me, to calm me, to listen to me, to protect my secrets, to, you know, to just do everything that I expect them to. And it's an awakening for me, this new piece of information. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, ST. And Chaya, on what was read, please. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Good morning. This is Chaya, grateful, recovered, compulsive eater and bulimic. So grateful to be able to say that. And I want to, you know, I really just want to thank everyone that's on this line and particularly the setup of the meeting. Um, when I came to this meeting, after being an Overeaters Anonymous in a thin body for a very long time and working the steps, quote-unquote, but did not feel recovered, and I found this meeting... What was so powerful was two things. One, that we were reading directly from the big book, which is the instructions for how to recover. And secondly, that I was hearing minute after minute after minute recovered compulsive eaters 
sharing their experience with the paragraph that we were being that was being read. That was very powerful because the book itself is the experience of the first hundred alcoholics who recovered. That's we. Someone mentioned earlier, that's the we that is speaking. And then many years later with recovered, you know, many recovered alcoholics and many recovered compulsive eaters, not as many compulsive overeaters as there could be or there will, thank God for this meeting, you know, there was a we that could speak on the meeting and share their experience. I'm very grateful for that. In particular, this paragraph is one of my favorite. <laughs> I say that about every paragraph. This paragraph happens to be, these two paragraphs happen to be, some of my favorites, and I want to just point out a couple of words. It says that each person in their own personal story points out, describes in their own way how they uh, gained access to and belief in power greater than themselves after they, you know, took an attitude and followed certain instructions, which are, we know the instructions of the 12 steps that are in masterly detail in Chapter 5 and 6. And um, the, the thing that, that, that changes here is that in step two, we are saying came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And in this paragraph, they're saying belief in a power, not belief that a power, but belief in that power and access to that power as opposed to it could restore me to sanity. So it's now belief in rather than that, because I know God because of the steps, and it's access to as opposed to that God could restore me to sanity. And that is very, very powerful transformation that happened for me as a result of the steps, which I'm very grateful for, and the transformation that's happened to the first hundred people that wrote this book and the many recovered people that are sharing on the line. And I just want to offer that as a message of hope for anyone either new to OA or has been in OA for years and didn't understand why they do not have that transformation to sanity of mind. And I'm very grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks to you, Saya. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Marjorie. This is May I share? I heard Marjorie and then Katie, please. This is Marjorie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. One of the things that I found was that I wanted to know, was I really doing what the instructions are telling me to do? And I needed verification. I needed validation. It was one thing for me to say, okay, it appears to me that I am following the instructions. According to what my sponsor says, I am following the instructions. But I wanted some internal sense that I was really doing what was required. And there was something in this paragraph that was a good test for me. In the sentence that said, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. The word flowed was really significant for me because I was taking the actions. Sometimes it required effort, sometimes great effort, sometimes a little effort. Sometimes I felt power, peace, or happiness. Sometimes I didn't. 
Sometimes I had a sense of direction. Sometimes I didn't. It came and it went. But the real key test was about whether it flowed or not. If 100% of what I was doing was effort, 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 and nothing was flowing within or from within, then I hadn't yet really done the instructions. Even if I had a slight sense of something was happening spontaneously, naturally, automatically, that was enough to prove to me that, yes, I was on this path. Thank you for listening. I pass. Thank you, Marjorie. Katie, please. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And to me, these two paragraphs are saying to shut down your old ideas and have an open mind. For me, um, I just want to continue on from what the previous uh, speaker was just saying. Um, This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Um, Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. So, you know, all the things in my life that seemed so difficult suddenly were not such a big deal. Um, And I had to put down my own idea of God. And I had a higher power, but I thought that, um, you know... (laughs) that my higher power didn't care about my food problem. And that was the idea that I had to let go of. I had to trust that if the people that I saw that were recovered um, could have faith in a higher power, then I could too. And it just took some simple actions. And in those simple actions, I got one day of abstinence and then two days, and then a week, and then a month, and then a year, and then a decade. And it's not any different today, uh, you know, decades later, than it was on the first day. It's putting down my ideas and trusting that God has a better idea of what I should do and to uh, keep my life in perspective and to, when I am lost and confused to ask God to help me and, you know, pick up these uh, spiritual tools that are laid out in this book. Um, But to me, this uh, whole concept is on step two is about having an open mind because as much as I thought that I was a, you know, as others have shared about, you know, being a chameleon, Really, I wasn't a chameleon because I didn't do what they said. I may have thought, you know, that other people's ideas were good and that I should try them and everything, but but obviously I didn't do it because I didn't recover. So consistency has, um, you know, is what this is talking about, that we have to leave aside the drink question. Uh, They tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. If you don't have faith, 
then talk to the people who do and ask them what they do on a daily basis. Um, because this, you know, this is a process, but it can happen instantaneously. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on what was Monica? This is, pa this is Paula. Monica, Nettie. please. Nettie. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a compulsive overeater, recovered. Wow, I see a lot, a lot of hope here in these couple of paragraphs that they're they're trying to get across a message of hope here to us. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. That's those 42 people that have written their personal stories in the back of this book. And that this power has done for them what they could never do for themselves. And a lot of those stories, those are very bottom-of-the-barrel drunks. And they had lost everything. And their life changes. They have a transformation. And then the next paragraph says, here are thousands of men and women. Thousands. And they flatly declare, announce, that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude towards that power, let go, let God, and to do certain simple things, work the steps, there has been a revolutionary change, a transformation in their way of living and thinking. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly, soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. And what are those requirements? Those requirements are the steps. It doesn't say it happened after step two or after step three or after step four. After they wholeheartedly met these steps, the requirements, it means all of them. That means cleaning all of your house, going all the way to step nine and making those amends. And you cannot go through this whole process of these steps and cleaning your house and not have a spiritual transformation and not come to see that there's a greater power than you that's doing things for you. And when it says, when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. You know, when I first read this in the beginning with my sponsor, I didn't understand any of this and I wasn't too sure about any of this. I wasn't there. I hadn't done the work. I hadn't cleaned my house. But now today, as a result of having gone through the steps and living 10, 11, and 12 daily, I am able to read this now and say, yes, it's God, it's God, it's God. And it's a process, and that's what I want to get across. A message of hope, and it's a process. If you do the work, if you take the actions, you will come to this same spot too. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, and thank you to everyone who shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Sharon, will you please read a vision for you? Good morning. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will certainly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
the answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as we as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>